from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing August the 24th, 2014. Good morning, I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3GR. G'day, Rob. G'day, Brian. Well, this is going to be the last of six broadcasts that we've done for Graham. And uh, Graham, We've really enjoyed it. We have. And Graham will be back next week to... Uh, Get things back on track properly. Yeah, back in ship shape. But uh, no, we hope that as listeners have enjoyed our... Uh, slightly different presentation of the weekly news. And I hope somebody else puts their hand up next time and says, let's have a crack and see if you can do better than Brian and Robert. Oh, it wouldn't be hard. No, it wouldn't be hard at all. Anyway. We've got the news this week. Yes. What shall we start with, Rob? Well, last weekend was, of course, the big one. That's the right. International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend and... The RD Contest. Wall-to-wall radio, Robert, or is that ear-to-ear, or is that band-to-band, or is that, I don't know what it is, it's a lot of radio. I reckon it was all of the above. All of the above, and all of the below, and the low bands too. Yeah. One of the things that I thought would be nice is to actually find out what was happening uh, last weekend, and to that end, I've decided to uh, contact Ralph, VK3 Lima Lima, uh, one of the members of our club, who went down to a lighthouse to participate in the weekend. Got him on the line now. Good morning, Ralph. Good morning, Robert, and good morning, Brian. Good morning, Ralph. How are you, sir? <laughs> Very well indeed. Well, it was just uh, by luck that I happened to be involved in the uh, the weekend. I uh, called in to see the station run by Carl VK3 DMF, who was oh. operating uh, down south of Melbourne, about um, 50 kilometres south, so it was about an hour's journey. I just happened to be down that way, and I heard him and Damien and Joe and uh, Jack were operating uh, HF, and I thought, I've got to check this out, and I did. What uh, lighthouse was that, Ralph? They were operating from the Cape Shank Lighthouse, and as you know, I'm not much of a HF operator, but I've got to say, I saw Carl sitting there talking to some dead uh, elves on uh, 20 metres and thought, got to have a go at this. I think that's the same lighthouse that they've activated for about six years running. I think it's about six years, yes. They make a regular contribution towards the ILLW weekend. And Carl graciously allowed me to operate the HF station. So we tuned up on 14.2 around about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the, uh, in the evening, uh, turned the uh, three-element tribander towards the uh, Long Path, Europe. And I've got to say, after a few calls, as soon as the stations heard that we were a lighthouse activation... I created the biggest dog pile I think I've ever heard. And uh, there would have been 20, 20 or more stations coming back. So I had a great half hour working, I reckon, probably a dozen stations in that very short period of time. It was one of the most exciting facets of ham radio I think I've seen in a long, long time. Sounds like the uh, Lighthouse Weekend has had a real inspiring uh, effect on you, Ralph. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not a HF operator, but the first thing I did when I got home was jump online and I've ordered a HF antenna, so something to plug into my rig at home so I can uh, maintain the rage, so to speak. And I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to the next uh, next weekend next year, and I've already told the guys, um, get another bed ready for me because I've got to be involved in something like this. It's an enormous amount of fun. 
Well, thanks, Ralph. Thanks for uh, catching up with us. Uh, You're certainly inspired, and I hope that uh, others will be inspired to take part maybe next year in next year's uh, Lighthouse Weekend. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Brian. And uh, good luck on the uh, last broadcast for a little while. You're doing a great job. Great to talk to you, Ralph. Thank you very much for your report, and I'm sure you've inspired many more uh, amateurs around Australia and anyone listening internationally to get involved with next year's event. And now to the report on the ILLW setting many new records. The International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend had 541 registrations from 56 countries this year, making a new record in the annual fun event. Dubbed the Year of the Virgin, some 20% of all registrations were first-time activations. New countries for the event were from Barbados and Kuwait. Outstanding this year has been the USA with 91, an all-time high exceeding 80 it achieved in 2011, obviously buoyed by a large number of Virgin activations. Similar first-time portable operation of former maritime navigation structures came from several countries and surprisingly numbered more than 100. Already, 30 registrations are listed for the ILLW in 2015, and that'll be held on August 15 and 16th. For reports from many who enjoyed participating last weekend, they can be read on the website illw.net. Thanks, Jim Linton, for the uh, update and also for the promotion of the uh, event that he's done throughout the year. That's fantastic. Now, of course, let's not forget the RD, which is the other very important event that happened last weekend. So I decided to catch up with Alan Shannon, contest manager for the RD contest. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Robert. How are you? I'm very well. Now, last weekend was a very busy weekend uh, with lots of activity on the air. Um, well, what did you make of it as contest manager? Yeah, well, I, I set up and uh, did most of the full 24 hours, including the uh, the overnight period there, Robert. And there seemed to be good participation right across the board, uh, which was great to see. I think, um, you know, things that have helped that along the way was um, a good lot of social media advertising uh, Yahoo Group advertising. The, uh, I was pleased that the WA Mag advertised like the little one-liners at the bottom of the page throughout the year. Um, contest columnist um, VK4TJF also did a good article for the magazine, and uh, VK4FNQ's weekly announcement on the WA News uh, every weekend. I think uh, certainly made people very aware of the um, the situation there, uh, Robert. Oh, that's great! And overall, what activity this year was uh, up on last year? Um, I'm not sure if it will be up. It's definitely probably on a par. Um, at this point in time, um, I've received uh, 150 logs, which is which is great to see. And we've still got another three weeks to go. And uh, I know a lot of people leave it to the last week to send in a log. So I'm expecting um, the same, if not more, than what we had last year. Um, I'd also like to remind people that no matter how small your log to send it in, because it actually gives points towards the state total, um, I've even received logs so far with um, two and three contacts in it. Um, so hats off to those people, Robert. Yeah, well, thanks for that. And uh, encourage people to get logs in early rather than leaving it to the last moment. Well, that's great, Alan. And thank you again for your work as contest manager looking after this very special contest. Okay, thank you very much, Robert. Rob, that was a great report, and uh, thanks to Alan for uh, making time. He's obviously very busy after such a busy weekend, collating all of the uh, entries that will be coming in and uh, following up with all the reports from everybody who was involved. This is another event that's growing year by year, as we've seen with the ILLW as well, just having so many people out that weekend 
they get involved with both, surely. And um, we'll see the fruits of that when the contest results come out uh, in a few weeks. And before we stray too far from activations, there's Chota. You know about Iota and Yota and uh, Sota and uh, I-L-L-W. That one doesn't fit, Rob. I thought you had actually done a uh, typo on the script here, Brian. <laughs> Chota, and then I read chapels and churches on the air. Now, there's still time to get involved with Churches and Chapels on the Air, which takes place on the 13th of September between 1,100 and 1,600 UTC. Activities mainly on 40 and 80 metres, and over 20 stations in the UK are already planned. Now, contact John, G3XYF, by email to G3XYF at btconnect.com if you're planning to take part. Churches and Chapels on the Air. I wonder if we can get a big high uh, antenna up off the uh, steeple. A sloper? A steepler. Luckily, listeners, it's our last week. (laughs) From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Okay, what use is an F call? What use is an F call? With the advance of the internet into society in the past 20-odd years, amateur radio has embraced the warm glow of electrons passing across copper or light pulses across fibre and radio waves across the ether that embodies our internet today. One of the tools that a radio amateur might use is a thing called a DX cluster. It's a place online where you'll find records of contacts that have been made between two stations. The time the contact took place, the date, and of course the frequency. If we leave accuracy aside for a moment, since anyone and everyone can post a spot online without any form of serious authentication, we can nevertheless use this tool for some interesting purposes. The obvious one is to use a DX cluster to see who's where on what band and see if you can hear them there too. You'll find that there is some limited success and some indications on where a station might be found. If you look regularly at a particular station, you might be able to figure out patterns of when they're likely to operate and on what band. I'm an unashamed computer geek. I've been playing with databases since the late 80s, and so massaging some data is part of my DNA. I wondered if you extracted a bunch of DX cluster records, if you could find out something interesting with the resulting data. So here's what I did. I queried the cluster for the past 10,000 records, containing VK6 anywhere in the record. This essentially resulted in a record of claimed amateur radio contacts going back one year. I stuck the data into a spreadsheet and spent some time massaging the data. That is, filtering out the day of the week, the hour, the month, the year, etc. I then created some pivot tables to see if I could see any patterns. Given that I'm on 40, 15 and 10 metres, I focused only on those bands. Of the three, the most popular band is 10 metres, then 15 metres, followed by 40 metres, representing about one-third of the number of contacts claimed on 10 metres. The most contacts are made on a Saturday, followed by a Sunday, then Friday. On 40 metres, the most contacts are made between 5 and 7 a.m. local time. On 15 metres, the most contacts were made between 8 and 10 p.m. On 10 metres, between 3 and 8 p.m. On 10 metres, the most contacts were made in October. On 15 metres in October and November and on 80 metres in July and August. Let me be the first to say that this is not a complete picture by any means. There's nothing in what I've told you that takes into account solar activity, contests or any other spurious influences, like a rare DX station changing the numbers. 
What other tools have you come across that might help another amateur? I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. Thanks to Ono for providing the audio and the text of that, if you want to uh, look at any of the references in there, is up on the website in the text edition of the WIA National News, like every other week. Now moving to international news. Garrick 2014 is a huge success. The Global Amateur Radio Emergency Communication, Garrick Conference, held in Huntsville, Alabama, USA, shared many informative presentations, videos and discussions on recent experiences, plus some media interest. Organiser Greg Serrat, W4OZK, said the local television station interviewed IARU Region 1 coordinator Greg Mossop, G0DUB. ARRL Regulatory Information Manager Dan Henderson, N1ND, and himself for the evening news program. Garrick 2014 was hosted by ARRL Alabama Section and the Huntsville Hamfest Association. It was attended by delegates from all three IARU regions. Greg W4OZK said that besides routine items such as IARU regional reports and a desktop exercise, presentations were received on many other interesting topics. These included emergency communications as an element of promoting amateur radio, the Salvation Army's Saturn program digital modes and remote control operation, the U.S. Defense Department use of the military affiliate radio service, that's MARS, for humanitarian assistance and disaster relief, and a combined emergency services dispatch centre providing interoperable communications. During the conference, a number of themes emerged. These included the importance of meaningful conversations with served agencies to ensure that their communications needs are met and to focus attention on amateur radio as a trusted partner in emergency response. There were reports on Brazilian floods, the super typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines, the role of radio amateurs in the Thailand flooding, and restoration of HS0AC. The role of amateur radio in emergency communications is constantly changing. It must continue to adapt to the needs of its partners, including embracing emerging technologies and new challenges. Greg W4OZK said the delegates recorded their thanks and appreciation for the generous hospitality of the ARRL Alabama section and the Huntsville Hamfest Association for a successful conference on August 14th and 15th. The next and 10th Garrick will be in Tampa, Finland in June 2015. All groups and organisations involved in emergency communications are invited to attend to share their knowledge and learn from others. The final program is at www.w4ozk.com and all presentations will soon appear on the website also. And you can get the links to all of that in the text edition of this new service. Now news that Moldova has joined SEPT licences. International Amateur Radio Union Region 1 reports that Moldova has signed the Pan-European SEPT Licence Novice and Class 1 Amateur Radio Licence Agreement. The SEPT Radio Amateur Licence Class 1 corresponds to the United States Extra and the United Kingdom's Advanced and Full Licences. The SEPT Novice Licence is closely compatible to the United States General and the UK Intermediate Licence. Now, there's also a SEPT Entry Class Licence which equates to the United States Technician and the United Kingdom's Foundation Licence Class. However, Moldova at this stage is not joining in that entry-level system. Well, not at this time. Shortwave Radio Africa is closed. SW Radio Africa, known as the Independent Voice of Zimbabwe, has announced its last broadcast took place on August 10th. 
According to a management post at the station's website, there are a few key archive programs on the main page for interest of their listeners until the site is taken down. They also add that their 13-year sound archive will be hosted by archive.org and as soon as that becomes accessible, they will get word out to listeners. Now drones in the news again, Brian. Another drone crash, and this time at Yellowstone National Park. When a photographer-keen tourist headed out to America's famous Yellowstone National Park, his equipment list included a camera-equipped aerial vehicle. Now, unfortunately for both the drone pilot and the park's largest hot spring, the wayward drone crashed and damaged the geological feature. Now, this is not the first incident of its type at Yellowstone, with another such damaging event earlier this year at Yellowstone and others at the Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. The increase in drone activity and unfriendly flybys on native wildlife and other park users has caused the National Parks Department to call a ban on the use of such aircraft, which is seemingly being ignored by a growing number of park visitors. Park spokesman Al Nash said... What we have to determine is to whether the presence of this radio-controlled recreational aircraft poses a threat to the unique resource. Now, Nash is referring to the Grand Prismatic Hot Spring, which is the third largest in the world and a top attraction for roughly three million visitors who flock to Yellowstone each year. I wouldn't expect that uh, managing national parks was such an issue, Rob, um, but it turns out upon further research on this topic, that just nearby this, uh, one of the hot springs there, is a great place to fish. And fishermen used to uh, pull up their uh, catch and walk across uh, to the other side of, you know, the clearing and drop it into the hot spring to cook it. Sounds like a good idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a really high level of arsenic in the water. So they had to ban that as well. So they have to keep on top of their toes uh, on the, at these national parks over there, don't they? They certainly do. Okay, now it's uh, to operational news and Dateline 2014. Alara Contest next weekend, girls, August 30 and 31. The Manly Warringah Radio Society's flagpole contest on September 20th. Amateur Radio International's Air Ambulance Weekend, nine days from September 28th. And we have a Chinese special event station. Look out for a special event station, B4YOG, to be active until August the 28th. Activity is to celebrate the second Youth Olympic Games in Nanjing. And that's on August the 16th to 28th. Operations have been advised for 40, 30, 20, 15 and 10 metres using CW, SSB and PSK. QSL via BD4WO or direct or via the Bureau. For more information, see the link in the text edition of this new service. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And to a Pacific tour currently on the air, four amateur radio operators, Stan AC8W, Brian KG8CO, Ted K8AQM, and Lee, N8LJ, will activate two DXCC entities in the Pacific starting late this month. Their tentative schedule is as follows, August 26th to 24th from Tonga. Call signs announced are A35AC, A35CO, A35TR and A35LT respectively from the island of Tongatapu. That's OC049. And from August 26th to September 2nd from Fiji, call signs announced are... 3D2AC, 3D2CO, 3D2TR, 
and 3D2 LJ respectively from the island of Tavernui, OC 016. Activity will be on 160 through 10 metres using CW, SSB and Ready using 3K2s and one TS590 along with two KPA 500s and one ALS 500 into verticals on the beach at both locations. QSL for A35AC, CO, LT and 3D2, AC, CO and LJ via K8 ESQ, QSL A35TR and 3D2TR via K8 AQM. And news of some more upcoming DX opportunities. P29NO, that's NAO. JA2VQP, now he's East Sepik Province in Papua New Guinea. He's on the air, or been on the air, since February 2013, and he will be there until January 2015, whilst he's a volunteer teacher at Divine Word University WEWAC. He'll be on CW, SSB and Ritty Plus. He might try some other modes as well. Ops are pending getting materials together to make more wire antennas. The callsign RI-59ANT is held by Alexander RX-0QM, a member of the 59th Russian Antarctic Expedition. He's operating from Bellingshausen Station, King George Island, from the 10th of March through to the 26th of November. Bellingshausen. I'm glad you've got that one, Brian. I wouldn't have been able to uh, get my tongue around that. VK5CE-8. Craig, VK5CE. Activating Bathurst Island, OC-173, from the 26th of August to the 29th of August. He'll be operating on 20, 17, 15 and 10 metres between 2200 and 1700 UTC daily. Heard Island, January 2015, by Cordell Expeditions. And, again, more information in the text edition. To Worldwide Special Interest Groups, Rescue Radio. When all fails, use ham radio. The South Africa Radio League, SARL, reports amateur radio was used to send an important message when the satellite link to Gough Island failed. It's been said so many times, when all communications fails, you can depend on amateur radio. This was again proven on the 9th of August, when an important message from Gough Island to the Department of Environmental Affairs could not be sent as their links were down. The story started when Pierre Tromp, ZS1HF, volunteered to go to Gough Island in February 2014, after a member of the 2013-14 Gough team sadly passed away on the island. Pierre passed the necessary tests and was shipped to Gough Island, where he was allocated the call sign ZD9M. Pierre and Trevor, ZS1TR, started the 7110 SARL Hamnet Emergency Net in January 2014, and established daily communication on 30 and 40 metres, depending on propagation. We tried to maintain daily calls, but obviously, due to the distance to Gough, we had to adjust our frequencies, Trevor told SARL News. In the summer months, we could work all bands, but as the winter approached, it was trickier, mainly favouring the lower frequencies. Communication later developed into a regular call-in at 10 minutes after the hour. As the winter approached and the satellite signal from Gough to RSA became intermittent due to the cloud cover and other climactic conditions, Pierre's more reliable communication with home became HF radio, with Trevor relaying messages to the DEA's technician to try and get satellite systems reset and working again. During the weekend of 9 August, a serious incident occurred at Gough Island. As the satellite connection to RSA had been bad since the first week of August, Pierre decided to radiogram it to Trevor for a relay via email to Cape Town. 
The message contained 836 words, excluding the many email recipients, and was sent a few words at a time and corrected and repeated back for confirmation. The entire process took about one hour, 45 minutes to transfer via HF radio, which forced them to alternate between 20 and 30 metres as conditions were fading in and out on both frequencies. Cramping hands and wrists with worsening handwriting was the result, as typing is much easier, believe it or not. Thereafter, the message was retyped into email format for sending to the recipients. It again shows that when all else fails, use amateur radio. Congratulations to Pierre and Trevor. Thanks again to Trevor and Pierre and for showing the world what uh, can really be achieved by amateur radio. Okay, the SES Townsville Thurngower Division Joint Exercise, a golden opportunity to gain experience in working with counter-disaster organisations in preparation for the support role that amateur radio provides during times of disaster. The exercise will involve some operators on foot in forested, rocky, grassy, sanded areas, mobile and vehicles and operating out of at least two base stations that will be set up for this event. Possibly an overnight campout. It's on Saturday the 25th to Sunday the 26th of October. It's the SES Joint Exercise somewhere in the Townsville region. Please contact Gavin VK4ZZ at wia.org.au for more information. How good is that? You say, Rob, uh, I'm going to go away for the weekend. Where are you going? Just somewhere in the general region. That's right. That's how it works. And how do I call you? Well, by ham radio. HF. Yep. Worldwide special interest groups, ATV, where every pixel tells a story. Despite software issues, the World DATV Party will go ahead as scheduled. While most activity in this annual global event is based around amateur radio ATV frequencies, Skype is used for interstate and international connections. However, Skype is currently grandfathering out older versions and the new version does not support import video from USB dongles such as EasyCap. These are used to take the output video as received from the ATV repeater and send it to the remote anchor station. Fortunately, Peter, VK3BFG, has found a temporary workaround, but it will be dependent on the administrators of Skype and their timetable. Bottom line, the event is on and will take place on Friday, August 29 and Saturday, August 30. Friday night will be the locals and interstate and should start around 8pm. We'll make contact with Brisbane DATV repeater VK4RMG and also the new DATV repeater VK5RDC in Port Pirie. Saturday will commence at 10am to pick up WR8ATV in Columbus, Ohio. This repeater is located on the top of a tall building in downtown Columbus. All antennas are within 15 metres of their corresponding transmitters. WR8ATV has five outputs with one on 1268 meg DVBS. It has four inputs. By contrast, VK3RTV has three inputs, one unstable at the moment and two multiplexed outputs. The local anchor in Columbus will be ART, WR8RMC. Some may recognise ART as one of the developers of the very innovative DATV Express. Around lunchtime, when the event moves to the W6ATN network in Southern California, there are nine linked repeaters based around a hub on San Diego Peak. Don KE6BXT will be the local anchor. Later in the evening, we expect to move to GB3HV and make some contacts into the UK. GB3HV has a Skype input and contacts can be made directly. There are a number of Melbourne-based stations who are preparing for the event, 
Melbourne always puts on entertaining contacts with lots of show and tell. This year, the new WIA-supported ATV installation at the Eastern Mountain Districts Radio Club will also be active. If you're unable to receive any of the repeaters directly, you can watch the activity on the BATC streaming site for all the involved. It's to the social scene or the Hamfest scene. September 13, VK4, Sunshine Coast Amateur Radio Club, Sunfest, Wombie School of Arts. September the 14th and VK3, the Shepparton District Amateur Radio Club, Hamfest. That one kicks off at 10am. Fortnight later, September 28th, still in VK3, the Melbourne Amateur Radio Technology Group, Hamfest in Keelor East. October the 3rd in VK4, the Townsville Amateur Radio Club's Cardwell Gathering, and that's a four-day event. October 25th in VK4, again Hamfest on the Gold Coast. November the 2nd in VK5, Hamfest at the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. To November 9th, VK3, Yarra Valley Amateur Radio Group Hamfest, 10am, Gary Cooper Pavilion. And on November the 15th in VK7, it's the Myena Hamfest. November 30, VK3, Spark Hamfest at Rosebud. Now there's a reason why we keep going on about these Hamfest listeners. We love them, we love what they do for clubs and we implore you all to go out there and support your local club, even if you're not a member. Go drink a cup of coffee with your mate at the local ham fest. It's a really good experience. Eyeball QSOs. That's it. Well, we've come to the end of this news broadcast, Brian. It's been a fun six weeks, and we want to thank Graham for giving us the opportunity again to get behind the microphones. It is great fun, listeners. We do really appreciate your help for sending in articles. There's a long list of ham fests in there, so I expect, I really hope, some of you will put some audio in for the coming weeks to help out Graham as he settles back into the uh, seat in Studio VK41A. Studio 14B. 14B, okay. And as always, listeners, we report it, you decide. We've reported, you decide.